Hi, this is the greatest story ever played. I'm Dan, and today I am going to talk about my favorite books that I read in 2020. Keeping uh, up with the tradition of, uh, I don't know, doing this the last several years uh, in December. So, yeah, I guess with that uh, one, I guess, um, caveat, I guess, to this list is typically I do a top 10 of the books that I read in uh, that year, uh, go through them, give, um, and they're all spoiler free too, it's just give sort of a general description and a little bit of thoughts on it, but uh, this year uh, my reading slash listening to audiobooks has gone significantly down compared to years past uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I, I used to listen a lot on uh, a lot on the way to work, um, but I work from home now, so that went away. Or um, I don't know, general fatigue and all of that from this year too. That definitely cut in. Um, all in all, I read way less, and I didn't feel like there were ten worthy books to be on this list. So instead, what I did is I have uh, I believe four that are from this year, and then I have six that are favorites of mine in general but uh, also aren't ones that showed up on the 2018 or 2019 list. So there won't be any duplicates of old stuff. Um, you're still getting 10 new books that I enjoyed. But um, yeah, four of them are from this year. The first four are this year, and then the rest are all-time favorites, I guess. So uh, with that, I guess I'll talk about book one. Book number one is called The Road Back. It is by Eirik uh, Maria Remarque. It was published in 1931. And it is a classic. A description for this book is, After surviving several horrifying years in the inferno of the Western Front, a young German soldier and his cohorts return home at the end of World War I. Their road back to life in the civilian world is made arduous by the bitterness about what they find in post-war society. A captivating story, one of Remarque's best. And what's really great about this book is it's such a strong follow-up to All Quiet on the Western Front, which I think is a fantastic book. I, I think that these two books should be... I know All Quiet on the Western Front is like a typical high school reading book, but they're both very, very good. The first one, War is Hell, War is Bad, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, really puts that home, but then this book really puts home the lingering effects of war that... Um, even when you're not on the battlefield, the you know wounds still affect you today. Uh, after that, how do you how do you go back after you know living through fighting World War One? How do you be a regular person again? How do you reintegrate into society? Uh, it's it's so good. It, it does a fantastic job. It's a really great book. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you haven't read All Quiet on the Western Front or you only read it in like high school and are kind of like, oh, that book. Pick both of these up. Uh, it's well worth your time. And I don't think either of them are particularly long either, so uh, you would get some bang for your buck in terms of uh, how much you got to read. So that's my first book. My second book is Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. Uh, this is by David Epstein. It came out in 2019, and it is a business book. Um, the description of this is... What's the most effective path to success in any domain? It's not what you think. Plenty of experts argue that anyone who wants to develop a skill, play an instrument, or lead their field should start early, 
Focus intensely and rack up as many hours of deliberate practice as possible. If you dabble or delay, you'll never catch up with the people who got a head start. But a closer look at research on the world's top performers, from professional athletes to Nobel laureates, show that early specialization is the exception, not the rule. David Epstein examined the world's most successful athletes, artists, musicians, inventors, forecasters, and scientists. He discovered that in most fields, especially those that are complex and unpredictable, generalists, not specialists, are primed to excel. Generalists often find their path late. They juggle many interests rather than focusing on one. They are also more creative, more agile, and more able to make connections uh, than their specialized peers uh, that they can't see. So this book, um, what I really liked about it is that... Uh, you know, as the description said, um, it's really helpful in talking about not needing to be an expert to be able to be successful. Um, and this book is really, in a lot of ways, in response to uh, a book by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, that's name is escaping me, but in it, one of the big thrust of it is the 10,000 hour rule. The idea that if you do 10,000 hours of something, you'll be an expert. And so the sooner you get those hours, the sooner you'll be an expert. And um, I thought that book was really good, too. I like that book a lot. Um, but this really balances that perspective. And I thought that was pretty helpful. I, I mean, I think if you're pursuing success, sure, the 10,000-hour thing, that's probably good. That's probably helpful. On the other hand, um, if you are doing a bunch of different stuff that you didn't know what you wanted to do when you were 10 or 15 or 18 or 22, that's okay. Um, because you can still get there. And, in fact, you might not be... Um, as prone to, um, I guess, autopiloting things because you're newer to something. Um, and so you're not as like uh, confined by what you're used to doing. We always did it that way kind of thing. So I found this pretty helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, encouraging in that you can figure out what you want to do, even if you didn't early on or something. Uh, so I thought that was good. Book uh, number three is called Dark Matter. This is by Blake Crouch. It came out in 2016, and it's a sci-fi book. Uh, the uh, description for this is Jason Dessen is walking home through uh, the chilly Chicago streets one night, looking forward to a quiet evening in front of the fireplace with his wife, Daniela, and their son, Charlie, when his reality shatters. And then um, I'm going to leave out the rest of the description because uh, it'll be more fun to figure out yourself. But... Um, and my comment on this is also uh, a little uh, boring in a sense, but I really like this book and I had no idea what was coming. I just heard it was good, so I grabbed it and I was uh, very into it. So I guess all I will say is if you like sci-fi, I would just go into this book blind and go enjoy it. It's not too long either. And uh, I was pretty hooked. I, I really like this. This really stood out as a book for me and, you know, why it made it to uh, my top 10. Cool. Next book is How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. Uh, this book came out in 2019 and uh, it's about race and race studies and stuff. Uh, the description for this book is Ibram X. Kendi's concept of anti-racism re-energizes and reshapes the conversation about racial justice in America, but more fundamentally points us towards liberating new ways to think about thinking about ourselves and each other. In How to Be an Anti-Racist, 
Kendi asks us to think about what an anti-racist society might look like and how we might play an active role in building it. In this book, Kendi weaves together a electrifying combination of ethics, history, law, science, bringing it all together in an, with an engaging personal narrative of his own awakening to anti-racism. How to be an anti-racist is an essential for anyone want, who wants to go beyond an awareness of racism in uh, society. To the next step, contributing to the formation of a truly just and equitable society. I picked this up uh, earlier in the year when um, police brutality and Black Lives Matter and everything that was going on there came to uh, the forefront of everything. And um, I did some learning along the way uh, besides this, but uh, this was a book that was most recommended, so I decided to check it out. And um, it's fantastic. It's it's really good. Um, one thing that's nice about it, it, it does have a good combination of kind of academic stuff and personal experience. So you get to see uh, Kendi, what his life was like. And he's honest and does like a good job of kind of expressing, here's where I was wrong. Here was I, here's where I was right. Here's where I'm trying to go. Um, here's what my friends were like. There's multiple examples where he talks about people who like mentored him into better thinking, basically, and, and, th and things like that. And uh, it's really cool. He, he does a, such a good job. Um, it's super um, accessible. I think that um, you don't have to be like, I don't know. Uh, super educated or something it's not like so academic that it's you know out of regular people's book out of their grasp or something like that like it's it's very there but I think that he's got uh, such a uh, such great stuff on this he's he's fantastic really he should be the I'm glad people are talking about him because he should be the person people are listening to as to um, how to better society in this so highly recommend it um, and really of most important books, certainly to read that would be on this list. I would say this is the most important for sure. So yeah, check that out. Okay. Um, and actually I lied earlier. I said it was five books this year. It was actually only four. So the next six are just all time favorites of mine. Um, that didn't show up in 2018 or 19's list. Uh, first up, this is my favorite book of all time. This is 112263 by Stephen King. It came out in 2011 and is historical fiction. Uh, the description of this book is Jake Epping, a 35-year-old high school English teacher in Libson Falls, Maine, who makes extra money teaching adults in the GED program. Jake's friend Al runs a local diner, divulges his a secret. His storeroom is a portal to 1958. He enlists Jake on an insane and insanely possible mission to try to prevent the assassination of JFK. Um, yeah, this is my favorite book all time. I just went in expecting a cool sci-fi story, and I did get that, but I got so much more in it. Um, you know, there's there's parts of it that feel like a classic. There's parts that are kind of scary. There's parts that are romantic. There's, there's really everything in this book. And this book is uh, pretty big. It's it's a, it's definitely a larger book, um, but it is well worth um, the time reading or listening to it. I yeah, I absolutely love this book. Really think uh, people should read it. <laughs> it's really great. Um, also, it's my I mean it's my favorite book in general, but it's also my favorite Stephen King book. Um, 
I, I like Stephen King books quite a lot, and uh, this one stands out even further. So definitely recommend it. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Quiet, uh, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. This is by Susan Cain. It's a psychology book that came out in 2012. Uh, a description for this book is, at least one third of people we know are introverts. They are the ones who prefer listening to speaking, who innovate and create, but dislike self-promotion, who favor working on their own over working in teams. It is to introverts, Rosa Parks, uh, Chopin, Dr. Seuss, Steve Wozniak, that we owe many great contributions in society. In Quiet, Susan Cain argues that we dramatically undervalue introverts and shows how much we lose in doing so. She charts the rise of the extrovert ideal throughout the 20th century and explores how deeply it has come to permeate our culture. She introduces us to successful introverts from a witty, high-octane public speaker who recharges in solitude after his talks, a record-breaking salesman who quietly taps to the power of questions, passionately argued and subtly, superbly researched, filled with an uh, indelible stories of real people, quiet, has the power to permanently change how we see introverts and equally important how they see themselves. Uh, I read this book, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, something like this, and I thought it was very, very helpful. Um, I, I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast has heard me talk about being an introvert. Um, I think I've had books about introversion in the previous two years <laughs> uh, as well. This one was the first one about introversion I ever read, and uh, it's definitely the best one. It really uh, it was really helpful. It helped me be able to see my place kind of in the world and accept it and not be like, I'm not like someone else. That's bad. But being like, no, I'm, I'm who I am, and you know my strengths may be different than ours than theirs. I can still do some of the things they can do um, and things like that. Um, like, I like uh, public speaking. That's something I enjoy. Um, but that's not, you know, typically seen as an introvert thing. So, I don't know. I thought this was pretty helpful and helped me kind of see some of the things I have as strengths um, and was beneficial. If you're an introvert, definitely recommend reading this book. Next up, I have uh, Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. This came out in 1959 and is a classic. Um, the description of this book is the story of a mentally disabled man whose experimental quest for intelligence mirrors that of Algernon, an extraordinary lab mouse. In dire entries, Charlie tells us how his brain operation increases his IQ and changes his life. As the experimental procedure takes effect, Charlie's intelligence expands until it surpasses that of the doctors who engineered his metamorphosis. The experiment seems to be a scientific breakthrough of paramount importance until Algernon begins his sudden, unexpected deterioration. Will the same happen to Charlie? Um, this book is super intense and really heartbreaking. Uh, just going through this, I thought this was a... Uh, yeah, just a fantastic book. When when I read this, I was just, uh, I don't know, in awe of everything going on. It was just kind of wild. It really made an impression and highly recommend it. Um, also, on um, the more light side of things, um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has a really good parody episode uh, of this. Um, <laughs> that's super great. <laughs> it's really funny. Definitely recommend that as well. Um, I'd seen the episode before I'd actually read the book, but didn't know it was a parody of the book. 
And then I finished the book and I was like, oh, that's like this episode. And then I watched the episode again and it was even funnier. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Really good. Next up, I've got uh, In Defense of Food and Eater's Manifesto. Uh, this is by Michael Pollan. It came out in 2008 and it's about food. Uh, the description of this book is Michael Pollan's last book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, launched a national conversation by the American way of eating. Now, In Defense of Food shows us how to change it, one meal at a time. Pollan proposes a new answer to the question of what we should eat that comes down to seven simple but liberating words. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Pollan's bracing of an eloquent manifesto shows us how we can start making thoughtful food choices that will enrich our lives, enlarge our sense of what it means to be healthy, and bring pleasure back into eating. Um, this book really struck a chord when I read it, uh, probably like four years ago as well. Um, and it did change how I would eat back then. Um, in transparency's sake, it doesn't really affect what I do very much now. Um, but I've been sort of in a spot where I'm like, I don't care what I do. So, um, that's not a, an effect of the book. I'd say that's just me. Um, but what I liked about this book is I thought it brought a better way to think about food than, uh, like dieting books have or trying to get on a diet sort of thing is, uh, this felt a bit more like a lifestyle change. So it's not, um, you know, counting calories or counting points or other other things people do. Um, um, but instead is like ch change the way you think about it and pursue actual food, real food, things that aren't highly processed, all, all that sort of stuff. And it was pretty cool when I did it. Uh, I, I lost weight for sure, but also felt healthier. Um, it was good in that way. So I don't know if that's something that intrigues you. I'd recommend checking it out. Um, I, I think on the topic of this, I think with dieting and whatever you want to eat, I think um, there's not a really foolproof thing. I think it's doing what works for you and you like. Um, so I've known people who've done different things and they work for different people. So if this is something you're interested in, you know, uh, check it out. I feel like also if you're already doing uh, well and doing what you want there, I would just keep that up and not change it. Um, so. I don't know, just some thoughts on that. And then uh, next book I've got is The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. This is by Mark Twain. It came out in 1876. This is another classic. Uh, description of this book is The Adventures of Tom Sawyer revolves around the youthful adventures of the novel's schoolboy protagonist, Thomas Sawyer, whose reputation precedes him in causing mischief and strife. Tom lives with his Aunt Polly, half-brother Sid, and cousin Mary in the quaint town of St. Petersburg just off the shore of the Mississippi River. St. Petersburg is described as a typical small-town atmosphere where Christian faith is uh, predominant, the social network is close-knit, and familiarity resides. This book's super fun. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised uh, how much a book from the 1800s makes me laugh, but it does. It's, it's really funny. Um... And uh, just a lot of fun. The mischief that they get into is super enjoyable. Uh, I Yeah, I'm surprised how much I like it. I feel like this is a book that I probably was supposed to read in high school and just ignored. But um, I really enjoy it as an adult and think it's funny. Also, um, The Simpsons have had some really good episodes. 
where they've done Tom Sawyer parodies um, that are pretty enjoyable as well. Um, all in all, yeah, I like these. Um, there's multiple kind of books in their series. You, you've got The Adventures of Huck Finn also. And then um, you've got Tom Sawyer Goes Abroad is another one. Um, they're all fun. I, I like this, um, I don't know, Silly Adventures of Tom Sawyer kind of thing. They're fun. Um, so definitely recommend it if you haven't read it or read it a long time ago for school. And then um, my last book is Into the Wild by John Krakauer. This came out in 1997. It's a biography. A description of this book is in April 1992, a young man from a well-to-do family hitchhiked to Alaska and walked alone into the wilderness north of Mount McKinley. His name was Christopher Johnson McCandles. He had given $25,000 in savings to a charity, abandoned his car and most of his possessions, burned all the cash in his wallet, and invented a new life for himself. Four months later, a party of moose hunters found his decomposing body. How McCandles came to die is the unforgettable story of Into the Wild. Immediately after graduating from college in 1991, McCandles roamed through the West and Southwest on a vision quest like those made by his heroes, Jack London and John Muir. In the Mojave Desert, his abandoned car, he stripped it of its license plate and burned all his cash. He would give himself a new name, Alexander Supertramp, and unencumbered by money and belongings, he would be free to wallow in the raw, unfiltered experience that nature presented. Craving a blank spot on the map, McCandle simply threw away the map, leaving behind his desperate parents and sister. He vanished into the wild. This book, uh, I was just really drawn to it. Uh, when, I, when I read it, um, I think that with uh, McCandles, you get a picture of a guy who... Um, you know, he, he chose to withdraw from society. He was sort of disenchanted with the way um, things were going and was like, no, this is this is dumb. I want to, you know, find my own path kind of thing. And I, I find that relatable. I've obviously never done anything like this at all and instead have stayed pretty straight-laced. But, um, <laughs> but I think that the uh, allure or the desire for it um, resonated for sure with me. And uh, seeing it and going through his um, adventure. And there's some pretty cool parts to it. And there's some pretty low points. And um, I don't know. I would say sad lessons learned uh, by his experience, unfortunately. Um, but it's it's quite good. Um, I'm, I like John Krakauer quite a bit. I almost put others of his books on here. I've read several of them. He does a really good job uh, writing an engaging book. So if you have if you uh, have never read any of his books, I would check them out and look them up just to see. I think he's a pretty good author. Um, and uh, the other thing with this book is the movies, also very good, and um, I think stayed pretty good to the book. Um, but Into the Wild, um, I think it came out in like the two thousand eight or something like that, and. Uh, the soundtrack's really good to it, too. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, he made the whole soundtrack. Uh, it's directed by Sean Penn. Uh, yeah, do, do uh, a really good job in this. And um, I feel bad that I forget the guy's name. But the guy who played <laughs> Christopher McCandles, he did a really good job, too. Um, I, I was uh, really into his performance and uh, did a great job for being on his own 
most of the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, definitely recommend it. And um, yeah, that is my favorite books from uh, 2020 and some kind of all-time faves sprinkled in. I uh, hope you enjoyed that, and uh, I'd love to know what you're reading. So if you've got books that you read this year that you really enjoyed, or even some all-time faves, uh, please send them my way. Uh, I am always looking for new books, and I'm hoping that uh, next year my reading resumes what it kind of more normally is, and, and hopefully the world does too. Um, but uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, and yeah, that's the episode. So uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can on Twitter at StoryEverPod. Our website's thegreatstoryeverplayed.com, um, which has uh, the 2018 and 2019 list. So if you're interested in hearing uh, more of my thoughts on books, check those out. And um, uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash thegreatstoryeverplayed um, for as little as a dollar per month. That will get you access to some topical episodes we do that are um, more like this, I would say. Um, not as video game heavy or um, are like topical about video games like our favorite Pokemon. Um, so check that out and 